We are live Monday night. We're back. Always nice to be back on after a win against the uh, arch nemesis in Collingwood. Uh, a very healthy win as well, might I add. So it's yeah, good to be back. And CB, welcome to you, mate. Thank you for joining us again on the Monday night. Thank you, Michaels. Uh, always a pleasure to be here. And um, yeah, great. the great man EJ is back. And also uh, Mark, fantastic show coming up. Yep, EJ, welcome to you. You were a very late caller. It was meant to be Tiggs, but he's come down with COVID and his uh, throat's a bit scratchy. So you've gotten the late call up. How are you, mate? Yeah, no, pretty well. And uh, I'm down here in the in the dungeon because I don't want COVID. So I was uh, yes. always free tonight. You're avoiding the rest of the household. So <laughs> Can I just can I say on um, Tiggs 71, I heard a rumour, right? We know he's a pretty competitive bloke. And after all the feedback I got about not being on the show for a while, I had a bit of a break. All the feedback and me chompers and all that shit. I'm just saying, watch out for Tig's teeth. Next episode, oh, I've just heard a story. He's getting a bit of a bit of whitening in a there. Bit of whitening done. Yep, just saying. We'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, and obviously, as you can all see, and as we advertise, we've got Mark Dragosevic back on the show. He did join us five years ago in one of our very first shows uh, to have a chat about his time at the Tigers and about the the current Tigers. So, welcome, Mark. How are you, mate? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it is. Uh, it is a bit different. The whole uh, setup here. I like the uh, the visuals, although it can be a bit of a, a comedy act for people that might not have seen, especially my mug in a while. And uh, the greys coming through. It's it's probably because of the last couple of years watching watching the, the Tigers, maybe. But uh, no, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's great to be here. Can't be worse than us, mate. And uh, well, man, a big shout out to Nick for connecting with you and helping you get on the show again. So, Nick, really appreciate your work there. So, I think he was a player sponsor of yours, was he, back in the day? Yeah, very loyal uh, player sponsor. We uh, we had a good relationship, uh, myself and Nick. Uh, it's good to see him still uh, around doing stuff like this. And uh, and good shout out to you guys as well that uh, has this platform. Uh, it's obviously changed a bit since I've... Uh, while I was playing, but it's good uh, to be able to engage with the fans, and uh, and I'm just a part of it now. Now it's good to it's good to know that former Tigers are still following the club closely. Um, it's yeah, just a nice little touch. So all right, we'll get stuck into it. Um, firstly, so you were drafted in the 1998 National Draft as a 17 year old, pick 55, played 48 games, kicked 25 goals. Original from North, originally from North Geelong. Uh, leading up to you getting drafted, had many clubs spoken to you or, or flagged interest in picking you up? Yeah, um, I my junior year, I actually had a decent year that that seventeen year. Uh, the year before, I, I didn't even make the Victorian uh, the Victorian squad. Uh, I was told a few home truths. I remember a, a game up in the under sixteens carnival. Uh, for Vic Country and yeah, got got it right between the eyes like I hadn't had before. So I um, I knuckled down over in that that sort of preseason and had a decent year. So uh, yeah, a few clubs uh, came and and uh, sort of I think it was at the draft camp is when we did the whole uh, interview process. It was like a bit of a yeah a job interview back then um, where you'd, you'd have ten minutes with uh, each club. Um, I think uh, the the weirdest. I was Port Adelaide. I think it was Choco Williams just sat me down and just said, are you better than, uh, you're going to be better than Gavin Wanganine? And I was like, no, probably not. And he goes, <laughs> not the answer, not the answer I'm looking to hear. Like, I was just on the back foot straight away. Just like, what do I meant to say to that? So uh, there's a few few interesting, uh, you know, daunting, I guess, just, uh, you know, Sheedy and, 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 and blokes like that, legends of the game that all of a sudden are just asking me questions that I'm not used to answering. 
Yeah, I wouldn't expect anything less from Troco, to be honest. I think he's, uh, yeah, yeah, bit out of the box there. Um, CB, all yours, mate. Take it away. Rightio. All right, Dragger. So tell us, mate, you go from a scrawny-ass boy and all of a sudden you walk into Punt Road, mate. Can you give us a bit of an insight as to how was your first day walking into Punt Road and, and, and what, yeah, what was yeah. it like? Yeah, you're right. I was very much a scrawny husk young bloke. I think I was drafted at 66 kilos, which is just ridiculous. Um, and then, yeah, you've got some of these man mountains just hanging around and doing their weights and all the, the plates are on the – I remember walking into the gym and it was it was quite an old gym back then. Um, we we certainly don't – we didn't have the facilities that the, uh, the boys do today. But, um, yeah, it was old school, you know, I'm just looking at all these guys pumping iron. I'm like, oh, I can't even bench press 40 kilos. This is, uh, this is you know, really eye-opening. Um, then you have, you know, athletes, powerful athletes in the running sessions. Like, I was a, a decent runner, but um, more of a long-distance type of thing. But these were just power, power athletes like Richo and that. And I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> got to get sort of uh, stuck into it. It did take me a while. I'm not going to lie. I, I did just sort of look around at all the lockers and all the memorabilia and stuff like that and think, Shit, am I actually really here? Just a kid from North Geelong, you know, used to playing in front of 50 people, usually family and friends. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was different. That's for sure. I had to sort of grow up really quick. Right. Well, let's let's take you to the first game, mate. So it's uh, Richmond versus Sydney. There's 40,000 plus at the MCG. Uh, Nick Daffy racks up 33. Rogers 25. Wayne Campbell 24. Suitcases Chaffee racks up a lazy 20. And Richo snags a lazy four goals with Ben Holland kicking three and Broaders kicks two. And we actually get up for the day, 108 to 96. So, mate, um, tell us about uh, your game and how you felt and what it was like. What was it like running out there and playing in that game? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's hard to describe to people that sort of haven't lived it, but... 40,000 when Richmond fans are in sound feels like 60, 70, 80,000. Uh, it, it really does have that sort of Coliseum feel. And and I did find myself sort of in the warm up, just sort of staring up and going, come on, snap out of you. You're here to go play a game of footy. And I, I think the hardest thing back then was if you started on the bench, you, you generally were there for a half or you might come on a three quarter time and things like that. There was no rotations that were really quick. A lot of our guys just, you know, played the full game. And I managed to sneak on for the blood rule. So I can't remember who had the blood rule uh, and got a little toe tap out on the outside wing, which probably didn't even register as a stat. But it, then it was my next kick was the first kick in football was a goal. But I, I actually know that it wasn't. It was a little toe tap out for this blood rule. But look, I was uh, – I will admit I was nervous – as all hell coming into that goal. Um, I, I think, you know, in your mind you can do it, but it's different when, I think it was late in the last quarter too. I think we're only up six points or something like that. So I knew there was a bit riding on the kick and just said to myself, just do not kick it out of the full, just kick through it, try and make the distance, all that sort of thing. Uh, and it happened to go through. And then once you sort of get that first one, uh, it, it becomes a lot easier after that. Fantastic, EJ. Yeah, so obviously um, these days it's all very different. It's um, all very organised. It's all this culture. You've got people for that. You've got psychologists and stuff like that. 
you walk in and you're a young player and as you said you're looking around and blokes are smashing out huge weights and stuff like that and you are probably maybe a bit overawed did they yeah. have a sort of a, a mentor program that back then and, and did you have a mentor early days did they assign someone to you yeah, I, I remember us sort of being, it was more in little groups uh, for the draftees. I'm pretty sure I had Duncan Calloway and Matthew Knights uh, and and they probably didn't know that I was watching guys like that and how they trained and their habits and, and just trying to emulate and see how they went about it, pick their brain. I would ask questions. I, I made sure I didn't sort of speak up too much uh, in terms of meetings and things like that. I'm, I'm quite reserved normally as it is but um i wanted to just watch from afar and, and just see what i could see straight away was just the professionalism at that time as well um because we were sort of transitioning i think from the mid 90s to that point i think yeah in 99 um it was just starting to get to a better level but it was more just the standards of training um i, I knew about you know kick and then push through to the end and stuff like that but it was just it was more what they did away when no one was really watching um that, that sort of caught my eye and it, and it showed on their performances uh during games but they were, they were probably two of the main ones paul broderick was another one uh for me um i i always prided myself thinking i had some quick hands but i watched him in training and then i'd always try and just grab him and bros can we just do some skills uh after, after training type thing and always always good to give his time but uh yeah they, they probably didn't know but that's that's sort of how i went about it cool and with those, you know, the players you've just mentioned, um, you played with a lot of great players. Hmm. Who was the best in your time at the club? Uh, yeah, well, it is, it, it's a true statement. There were a lot of great players. And when I look back, and, and we've had some catch-ups as well, we, we, we just can't believe we didn't actually win one in that period because of the players that we did have. Um now that whether whatever reasons they were, uh, we could probably be here all night talking about it. But um, yeah, Matthew Richardson, I, I've just never seen an athlete you know, like it. Um, I think he was the, the Richmond package as well. Um, he, he taught me how to sort of embrace the culture, embrace the fans, um, don't take things for granted. Uh, and then you six foot five, six foot six, runs quicker than most blokes. Like he's, I remember we did a. A four, we we're doing 400s back in those days when that, that was a thing. And um, he just took off. He hadn't trained for a while. He had an injury coming back from an injury and then just blew everyone away. He was like 150 metres in front of the best guys. And I just was like, whoa, this guy's a racehorse. So uh, to then translate that into high marks, ground balls, goals from the boundary, yeah, like Knights, Broderick, Campbell, Callaway for me are great players, but Richo was just something special. And I think, you know, we didn't have success in that period. And I think that is sort of, he doesn't get the credit he deserves. Mm. He gets, you win a premiership, you get elevated in the public eye and stuff like that. And he probably doesn't get the credit. But, you know, when they talk about the great centre-half fours and things like that, his name doesn't always come up straight away. And I don't think that's quite fair. But anyway... No, um, I think I think you're right. I, I completely agree. And and sometimes I think we're a bit harsh to judge on that one medallion when the game is yeah. so unpredictable and the ball can bounce left, right, yeah. back over your head millions of times during a game. Um, and 
to be judged off that. Yes, of course, we bloody would want, want one, and he deserves one. But, um, yeah, I, I think as well, because his passion came through as sometimes something that was not uh, good for TV or, or, or whatever. <laughs> I was on the end of a couple of sprays, don't worry, but I knew where it was coming from. And it, it made you a better player, or made me a better player anyway, um, to make sure that, yeah, I should hit that kick, you know. Anyway, yeah. Well, the thing with the sprays is the television would focus on the spray and they'd show the spray. They wouldn't yeah. show him leading up, doubling back, yeah. leading up, doubling back, leading up, doubling back, and then chucking the shits. They'd just show yeah. him chucking the shits. Yeah, it was probably probably lucky that I never had any uh, fanfare and, and didn't have any cameras on me too because I, I was a little guy who, who thought I was open a few times and uh, <laughs> yeah, threw me arms around, but uh, I wasn't Richo, so that's good. I didn't get, get caught. <laughs> and uh, who, was, who was your best opponent? Oh, best opponent. Uh, the most, probably the most annoying, annoyingly good opponent was Nathan Buckley. He was just just a bull, but even some of the ways he would talk to his teammates, I actually learned a lot from him of, of what not to do sometimes as well. Um, he was he was quite brutal, uh, but in terms of pure skill and 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 running ability, and you think you've got them and they've got a handout, was probably someone like Simon Black. I think he was uh, he was a really good opponent to play on. Um, and a really good bloke as well. Yeah, Black was a superstar. Another 10 there easily. Um, but uh, Black definitely springs to mind as just being just sort of that whole package. And again, he yeah, probably absolutely. doesn't get as much credit as some. Yeah, and, and that might be the Brisbane factor um, as well. But if you if you actually look at his record, his CV, the, the proof's there, that's for sure. Yeah. So you're talking about the build-up of the club. So, you, you know, in 99 through Gushin and Danny Ferrolli comes to the club. And we're, yeah. we're building, building, building. We get into the 2001 season and um, the Jets start firing up. And then, unfortunately, um, you cop a, a season-ending uh, knee reconstruction early in 2001. Um, yeah. Do you, does anyone here know whose fault that actually was, if you all remember? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. North Melbourne jumper, number 11. No, no. Not his. He was in a Richmond jumper. It was the bloke who kicked it to me. I give him shit about it all the time when I say him. Nick that. Oh. <laughs> Twenty meters on my own on the on the wing, and he and like nice little just dart passes needed. And now you're all going to lob it up and put you in hospital and say, "Glenn, come over and take his knee out." <laughs> I blame that. But speak, speaking of blokes who didn't mind giving his, his uh, own players a spray, Nick Daffy, good player, but uh, yeah. Oh, no, we had a few of them. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> so, so basically, um, obviously, obviously, that was uh, very hard. How, how did you come back from that? How did you, you set your mind to that? Yeah, I mean, I guess growing up, I, I was always told I was too small. I was... Uh, I couldn't do this, or I couldn't do that. I'm not not going to make it, and I just kind of always wanted to prove people wrong, if if that makes sense. Um, so I had an attitude of um, whenever I was told or there was a setback or something like that, you know, I'll, I'd try and make something of it. So initially, yeah, I, I felt sorry for myself. I didn't never had a, an injury that was you know made me miss games. I played through sort of you know, soft tissue, osteitis pubis things, and 
so when this is actually forceful and you're and you're out um it's like uh okay <laughs> wallow for a bit but what are you actually going to do about it what can you get out of this and there was a few people i did speak to and and, and it was just turn this negative into a positive and mine was to, to build up and you know I, I couldn't use my legs but there's a lot of things i can do with my arms and and like boxing and swimming and skills and you know going back to the paul broderick thing i, I wanted to be better than paul broderick at, in close hands so it was just little things like that little mini goals that i that i would set and like i had a a, a book that i would write in and if i was shitty one day i'd just write it um, and then read it back and then the next day you might have something good I mean you just reflect on that um sort of on your journey so yeah it, it took a little bit but yeah I, uh, I I just wanted to sort of get better at things that I could that's fantastic and still lessons that uh can be carried through to today yeah 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 100% and like I've done a little bit of coaching now and 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 it's certainly a message that I try and and, and relay and it doesn't matter if it's an injury or you get it dropped or you're just not quite you know where you want to be um you're the only one who can actually change that um, no one else can so uh yeah it's, it's a lot about that mindset and then and then like you said so you, you build yourself back up you work on these things and then the pre-season game in 2002 you find yourself back, and then it happens again um at that point in time mate you know you've just built yourself up what were you thinking <laughs> I was yeah. like, come on, <laughs> jeez. Uh, yeah, it was, and it was, it was so innocuous. I think maybe last time I was on, I, I touched on the fact that in the in the rooms before the game, because I think I came back after nine, just over nine months. Um, so I was sort of well ahead of schedule, and it felt strong. I played a couple of games beforehand, and uh, just in the rooms, I, I was just doing some jumps, and I just landed a bit awkwardly. Um, I was like, oh, okay, that didn't feel great. But, uh, yeah, as soon as I changed direction the first time in that game, uh, went down. So I, I might have actually just done it in the change room sort of slightly and then, then just finished the job off, which is uh, a bit frustrating, not going to lie. Um, you do you do have the woe is me's and you know, why and all that. But, again, <laughs> what am I going to do about it? Do that for the rest of the time or, or actually – so I, took, I basically completely overhauled my game and I, I put on a fair bit more muscle than in that period and became more of an inside mid uh, once I eventually did come back. Yep. Mm. So sadly, the Richmond journey ended in 2004. Yeah. Of course that. Did you play any footy at any level after that? Yeah, so, yeah, it was interesting. I... Trained at uh, Essendon and St Kilda uh, once I got delisted. Um, I didn't actually get to meet Terry. He didn't. He didn't do the the hard yards himself. Um, he uh, and I actually funny story. Just getting off topic a bit. I went and watched that uh, because I went over to Adelaide to play for West Adelaide the next year. But I uh, Adelaide uh, Richmond came to play uh, the Crows, and I went into the rooms and I was talking to New Chrissy Newman and. Um, Terry Wallace just happened to be there and he introduced himself. He goes, G'day, mate. I'm I'm Terry. Who are you? <laughs> like, oh. you Go back in your freaking tanning bed, mate. Anyway. Um, so yeah, it was it was just how the business, it just it just sort of made me realize how that business was for certain people. Um so 
yeah, so to answer your question, sorry, I got a bit off topic there, was I uh, went to West Adelaide and, and played in the SA NFL there for uh, for four years. Well, three and a half, I think it was in the end, yeah. And I know you're an assistant at uh, GWS for the AFLW team. How did that come about? Did you um, enjoy it? And has that led to more in that space? Uh, so... In 2000, and I think it was about 13 or 12, um, I was asked to go and coach uh, a side in the NEFL up in Canberra, uh, Tuggeranong, um, which was a good experience. I was actually assistant coach, and then I took over halfway through. Um, so that was a good experience to sort of see, you know, if I had that sort of passion of development being – I never sort of saw myself as a senior player, but then I had to realise that I kind of had a bit to offer. Um, excuse me. Um, so I did that for a year and then came back and got asked to coach the Sydney Hills Eagles in the NEFL competition uh, for the next couple of years here. Um, and whilst I was doing that, I was doing some work with the Giants Academy. Um, and that's where my sort of, yeah, passion for development um, for, for junior kids, because I, I never had that opportunity sort of growing up. It was like you you, you get picked for a rep team or, or, you, or you're not. So uh, there's no sort of pathway. Um, if, you, if you don't sort of make it, there's no, you know, especially from a younger age. Um, so, yeah, I was doing that for a, for a couple of years. And then the uh, the, the, the inaugural Giants uh, female team um, started. And um, I, I knew Tim Schmidt uh, and, and, and went and had a chat with him. And was uh, he was keen and I was keen to, to jump on board as an assistant there. Um, so did that for a few years. And I think just with where the competition was uh and i live in sydney and it's expensive to pay rent um i needed to also have a full-time job which ate away into the commitments of really you know trying to do that job properly um and i never want to do something sort of half-hearted so um had to sacrifice that and, and keep you know working like a all of us um so yeah it's a bit of a shame because I, I really did like it and um yeah, do miss that side of, uh, of things. And it's uh, not just footy that you're handy at, Mark. We had someone, we had Justin send us a message on Facebook. He said, boy, he's asked Drager about the three games he played for Barwon Head Seagrade in cricket. He made three tons in a row using my bat, some of the cleanest hitting I've ever seen. And also his reenactment of the winning runs we scored in the grand final, the after party. Good bloke. <laughs> Is, uh, how much of that rings a bell? Yeah, it was good fun. It's it's true. I um, I, I was down in Geelong playing, and then yeah, I had a couple of friends that I think Big Brad Ottens uh, actually was playing with me as well. Uh, we went down just to fill in some C grade, just the one days, of course, the forty over games, none of this two day stuff and uh, long long afternoons in the field. But yeah, managed to get a couple of well, a few hundreds, and uh, it was it was good fun. It was good fun, and the after party stuff, yeah. That sounds like me. I obviously don't remember it that well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think he said it was 110 not out, 101 and 154 not out. So uh, I'm assuming this yeah. is just all boundary type of material, no running between wickets. No, definitely not. I um, it, was, it was either 6-4 or stay. Yeah. Like um, but, yeah, I, I do remember that 101 one. Um, that it was the 29th over and uh, I came in and I just said to someone, <laughs> I'll either get a hundred here or a golden duck, and uh, yeah, it happened to 
work out the uh, the other way. To be fair, the opposition probably dropped me about six times. Not going to lie, it was, it, was, it was a scratchy time. Doesn't <laughs> say that the scoreboard. Doesn't say in the scoreboard exactly. I shouldn't have said anything. They're, they're the best running range, though, Mark. Fours and sixes. Any dickhead can hit a single, mate. It takes skill to put it over the fence. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. There's only a couple of centimetres of numbers on me, uh, my scorecard. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, before we get on to the, uh, the Tiger stuff, the last time we spoke, you were the business development manager at Winning Moves, looking after customised board games. And you're, you're still in that role and enjoying it? Yeah, I've now moved on to the, the head of the uh, custom games division. So I look after Australia and the Pacific. And uh, if anyone's got a Richmond Monopoly out there, that will be because I uh, I was the one creating that. Um, so any yeah, sort of sporting relationships. Now we've done ones with Hawthorne and we've done Port Adelaide Guess Who's and, and things like that. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, it's different. Um, but yeah, I, I get to, you know, go into these uh, elite you know, environments and then uh, combine a board game that's been around for uh, 80 odd years and, and, and put their faces that replace the property squares, which is pretty, pretty unique. I don't think the Adelaide fan has solved a guess who yet, have they? <laughs> Some I of the mugs that they've been drawn on there, it's pretty hard too, trust me. <laughs> I've got an idea for a Carlton Monopoly board game. <laughs> what it is, every single piece is you received a brown paper bag and just go to jail. <laughs> that's the whole board. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be the easiest one to create, wouldn't it? <laughs> Gosh, we can get on to Collingwood as well. Just imagine the Essendon one, mate. That'd be a bit prickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 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 one. A little boost in the uh, community chest and chance cards there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely. You'll sell out from not even from Essendon or that, that team supporters. We everyone else gifting it to their mates who follow them, yeah. just saying, there you go. And you still follow the Tigers pretty closely, even being in Sydney. Ah, oh, there it is. Yeah, <laughs> the Tiger scarf, very good. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm, I'm, oh, I must, uh, I'm a pest to them because obviously I'm, I'm living in Sydney and it's not a huge AFL up here. So I, I do get a bit rowdy and, uh, you know, like a true fan. So I, a lot of the time, I just get banished. To be fair, um, to the to the spare room or the or the lounge room to watch on my own. I do feel bad for my, my partner. She's uh, she's Irish as well, and she's just learning. Uh, she's just been learning about footy, and she's learning it the passionate way. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so most of our weekends during the year uh, uh, revolve around the schedule, unfortunately. Slightly off topic, but do you find it hard to try and explain the rules of the game to her these days with how much everything's changing compared to when you were playing? I get asked questions. I find hard to answer the questions. It's, uh, oh, my gosh, there's so many rules and, you know, yeah, it, it is difficult. I, Lucky enough, um, her, her boss is a, a Richmond uh, coterie member and uh, we have gone and watched the games from nice and high above a few times when they come to Sydney and um, uh, she does find it a lot easier to follow when it's live as opposed to on TV when it just looks like a bunch of blokes running around and seagulls after <laughs> type thing. But, um, yeah, just the basics, the goals, marks, kicks, points, that's that's enough. That's enough, yeah. If Richmond win, I'm happy. If they don't, I'm not. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds yeah. like uh, most of our households as well. Yeah. Question All right, mate. Well, notice, Mark. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. What, what do you think of the current state of the game with these rule changes, like stand and – or if you can't answer it, I understand. You can plead the fifth. But uh, how are you finding it as a viewer yeah. watching the game now? 
No, I can definitely answer it. I, I don't have any allegiances anywhere. As uh, it just sounds ridiculous, like stand, stand, stand. I, I like the concept. I like the concept. It, it's it's now. It was always going to be hard to police. Um, you know, when guys are constantly want to be on the move, and you know, to be fair, the players have done really, really well. Um, you do see the odd mistake. You know, when they start backing back and. Is that a 50? We don't know if that's a 50. I just hope that we're on the right end of it most of the time. But I find this year the state of the game, the 6-6-6 been, has been great. Um, I know we only get a brief moment of one-on-one, but it's enough to obviously generate some scores and, and put the onus back on midfields to, you know, you can really break a game open from that part of the ground now. Um, whereas, you know, that two behind the play sometimes will just, we'll yeah. just clog it up and, your first instinct out of the middle is to go sideways because of that. Um, so, yeah, little thing. I, I don't mind the stand. It does allow for the, the person to play on and, and, and get an extra 10, 15 metres, which can clear a zone. But, you know, players are pretty smart at adapting to these rules and, and whatnot. But we early in the season and even the last few weeks, we've seen some pretty big scores, and that's kind of what I like. I don't mind if a game is 15 goals to 17. Um you know, it's still it's still defensive in its in its own way, but we can generate scores a lot quicker. One more that kind of links in. Uh, you spoke about some of your teammates giving sprays. How would they have gone with the new decentral if that was in back when you were playing? Sorry, I was just reading this question here. On yeah, the with the raising the arms, the umpire descent. How would uh, how would have you and your teammates gone back in the day with that one? That's well, Richo would have been on negative sixty. Supercoach points uh, yeah. before that time, that's for sure. We just spoke about his arm raising. Can you get to send to your own teammates? Yeah, I reckon you can. I wouldn't be shocked. If, um, if you uh, yeah, like, yeah, I was a fiery little bugger. I, I, I would have taken me a while to get used to it. And it was, again, no disrespect to the umpires. It's just sort of in the heat of the moment. Most of the time you're angry at yourself and you know you're yeah. yeah. high or something like that. So you're just on the... Uh, and they just happen to have blown the whistle, which turns your attention to them, but you're not really directing it at the umpire itself. Uh, itself. <laughs> yeah, I would have, I would have found it tough. I'm not going to lie. I threw a mouth card every now and then. Is that descent as well? Throw a mouth yeah. yeah, I think anything these days is. Uh, Shane, this is a good point. Richard would have given the first 150 meter penalty. That's a very good point. I'm like it's quite possible with Richard, we could have had like a free kick paid out in Punt Road. <laughs> they could have just kept paying the 50s. Absolutely. I'd love to see the umpire's face. Remember when he was at the bottom of the pack and he was going off? Did you the old, is the bird? We'll get stuck into the Pies games. While we're doing the review of the Pies games, listeners, make sure you do bank up some questions. We'll, we'll open up the chat later on for Mark to answer some of your questions. Uh, but Richmond defeated Collingwood on the weekend, 17-11, 113. Defeated Collingwood, 12-14-86 by 27 points, although it did feel like we are in control for vast majorities of that game. Lynch kicked six. Uh, Bolton, Martin, Rebot all with two each. Castagna, Cochin, Lambert, Pickett and Soldo with one each. CB, very dominating performance. Um, what did you make of the game? Mate, I, you know, I think Craig McRae summed it up the best. And he basically said it's like... Um, being on your first eight dates and Richmond's like married with three kids. It really did look like boys to men out there in a lot of cases. Um, we never really looked genuinely threatened. We looked like we we're always in control. And um, we actually we probably should have won by a bit more, if I'm honest. But um, I just think it was boys versus men out there. And 
we we showed they were up and about and then they ran into a, the real deal on Saturday and life is almost so, so much better when you beat the skunks. Almost so much better. AJ, your, what are your views on the game? Um, Lynch was unbelievable. And there's a, you know, I'll bring out my nerdy stats a bit later on, but his movement was the difference for him. Actually, I'll quickly hit the metres gain section. You know, short 708, again over 700. Uh, Graham was second, 485. Bolter, 440. Lynch was number five at 426 metres gained. He was working up to the halfway line, working back. If he moves, the rest of the forward line moves. We're not static. You know, the previous weeks he's standing there with his arm up saying, put it on my head, put it on my head. He's moving. He creates movement in other parts. It, it, we looked much more dynamic because he was dynamic. Can't complain about that. No, Lynch, he was, uh, was very good. It's, we said it a few weeks ago that once he's on his bike and moving, that we become a whole better team. And it's um, I'm not sure if you hear much of the media up there, Mark, about Lynch, but there was a lot of speculation that he was overpaid and wasn't worth it um, and that we got it wrong. And then, you know, a few games later, he's kicked six goals and he's kicked, what, five the week before and he's leading the Coleman. Yeah, so, uh, I- I reckon when we last spoke, I think it was in 2017, I think it was. It was, uh, yeah. You asked me what's one player in the competition you think we, we should go and get, uh, and I said Tom Lynch, uh, and we did go and get him. And he, the problem is when, when, when standards are set so high um, early on, um, and a guy who's 202, I think, centimetres, when they're slightly injured, it shows. It shows on the field. And the game is so quick and so dynamic that if you're slightly off with the feeling in your body, you can't perform where you want because your mind says, if I do that, I'm going to maybe niggle. I'm going to have a niggle. I'm going to get an injury. So I think what we're finding this year is he's free. Like you can just see. And and, there's, and might not have got the results sort of early on. But, yeah, when he's up up on the wing early on in the game, you know, okay, hang on, we're, we're on here because – he might not get the ball. He might contest the ball, but Jack doesn't need to do that every single time. Do you know they can? And and I think the biggest change that we've had in the last sort of couple of weeks, and and even early in the year, I think people forget that we 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 should have won the uh, some of those early games. We were 26, 28 points up, um, and just just got you know overrun by uh, a couple of quarters of footy. So the structure of the side at the moment, I think, is is very well balanced. I think it's correct. Um, short going into the middle is a great move, and I think they should keep it. And what I was going to be worried about, I thought because of his style off the back line um, and reading the play, that he might not be aware of his opponent, but he's very much aware of his opponent. Um, and as you said before, he gained over 700 metres. We, we didn't have that. We didn't have that 60 meter player that 65 meter player that can also go back the other way and you know jack graham busts his ass all the time but i think if you look at our sort of uh from from afar some lambert's come in martin's obviously come back in rioli junior for me is one that doesn't need he's going to be like cyril he doesn't need 25 touches he needs 10 to 15 but eight score involvements or something like that he's already leading our tackles inside 50 
it's, it's just little spot fires that we've just been able to put out with Bolter, Baker. Again, Baker doesn't have to get a huge amount. His pressure acts are through the roof. Um, I, I just think structurally we're just a lot better. And what that promotes is obviously that forward half turnover, deep in, repeat entries, deep entries, Lynch on the move, but they're not together anymore. I, I know when we're, we're sort of struggling, they're flying together. But um, you, you notice on the weekend, and even West Coast, don't get me wrong, West Coast is struggling, but they they still had a fair few senior players in that team. Uh, and we started to get the job done. And that's all, that, that all stemmed, I think, on the weekend from the West Coast game where it all it was t- scores from turnover and it was the hunt. The hunt was back. Um, yeah. Lynch got on the end of him. Um, and what I liked, and we said last week with the West Coast game, occasionally we'd be prone to blowing or dropping that margin a 30-point win instead of pushing on with it. But it was good to see them force good habits for that whole game, which I think carried over to the Pies game, uh, which was nice. But uh, Rioli Jr., EJ, just a little sneaky basketball bounce on the boundary line yeah. under a bit of pressure yeah. then hit Lynch up in the square. When I watched it, I, like I said to you, Blake, I, I watched the game at about 10 o'clock at night. I had to rewind it three or four times to make sure what I saw was, in fact, accurate. But... Um, he, he's had a, a pretty solid two games, and, and like Mark said, he, he's not going to need to get a hell of a lot of the ball, but we've been lacking inside 50 tackles for the best part of the start of the year, and, and now it feels like it's back. Yeah, and I, I saw on Twitter today someone put up the footage, uh, his draft footage of highlights from when he was playing up north, and he done that. he's done that basketball move before. He's actually <laughs> done it before. Right? So it's not a fluke, all right? But... We're talking about that pressure, that forward pressure. His his chasing is elite. He is not going to be seen or heard until the last minute, much like Cyril. And <coughs> excuse me, that is going to cause self doubt and panic in defenders' heads. They will make decisions that, that they normally won't make because where's Morris? Where is he? So they will they will change what they're doing. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm going to lose it here. <coughs> that was evident in the West Coast game too, with he and Stacky. The the pressure they were creating was causing a, a shanked kick outside fifty, and we'd get the repeat four fifty entry, and it's another scoring opportunity. And it's what we based our game on from 2017, 18, 19, and it, it kind of fell away a little bit last year. But we uh we got a back CB. But what about Daniel Rioli down the other end of the ground, who I, Actually, I think we can all safely say has found his role. Mate, well, again, um, a wonderful replacement for uh, Asher Hooley. To just, it's just one in, one out. And um, I, I, it's just remarkable to watch this guy's skill level and speed and poise off that half-back line. Like, uh, that, that's his spot, isn't it? Like, that is, that is his spot. Half-back line... And he, um, he'd actually, do, do you reckon, and, and the audience can answer this as well, how close would he be to leading our BNF right now? Because his year is right up there with, with what he's providing, with the drive, energy, and what he's doing. He'd be, and our BNF's a little bit different, it's not just, there's a lot of things that go into it. I reckon he'd be doing a lot of Richmond man type stuff, and he'd be mm. right up there. Yeah, it'd be up there. Pickett would be up there as well from the games he's played early on in the year. I think Bolton will be up there too. Speaking of which, have you seen a cleaner player when the ball's on the deck? Like The amount of scrub kicks that went Bolton's way, and you're like, oh, shit, this could be a 50-50 contest. 
Chris scoops it up first time and explodes away. He's putting together a nice block of games here. Yeah, uh, and you talk about the best and fairest. He'd be up there as well early on. Um, you're right. Um, he made the ball look dry on the weekend, and it's not it's not just picking it up cleanly. It is that first two steps. I don't think I've ever seen anyone with a quicker first couple of steps, but he's already changing direction as well. Like, I yeah, I don't know how he's I'm – a, I'm a guy who's got – Bad knees, and I watch him do it every single time. I'm like, oh god, how does he do this? He's <laughs> must be made of, I don't know, cement ligaments. But um, it's 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 so good to watch. And again, he's another that doesn't need to get thirty, but he has elevated his game to that sort of twenty-plus possession. I think he's kicked sixteen goals, um, which goes underrated, I think, as well. Um, and then when you have the likes of Rioli, who's who's kicking the ball at eighty-eight percent, averaging twenty touches. Um, that's what you need out of your back line. Um, again, it's it's just clean. That's a phenomenal stat, like to have that that high of a kicking efficiency when generally most of his possession, possessions are kicks. Um, but yeah, Bolton's a like he's he's one you'd go and pay and watch every week for sure. I'll, I'll give you this stat too, Mark. On top of what you said, uh, Bolton is currently equal eighth in the league for total centre clearances with twenty five. He's actually equal with Patrick Cripps. That's how well yep. he's um, actually going. Yeah, and, and, and it's one thing that I always look at the screen and I'm like, why isn't Bolton in there? And then you, you do look at the clearances and, I, yeah, there's something like, yeah, 30, 36 clearances for the year or something like that. And that's from a guy, he, he probably gets most of them, you think, from the, the stoppages out in the wings and the forwards, but it's actually in the centre. Yep. And he doesn't go in there very often, but when he's in there, he generally gets the ball out. Now with his 666, it suits someone like him perfectly. And I think Nank and uh, Soldo were, you know, way too big for the Ruckman on the weekend. I think we, you know, tripled their their hitouts. And when you've got that confidence in your Ruckman, I used to be a midfield coach and all. If we had a, a good Ruckman, it'd be just get that forward hit. It, it demolarises opposition midfields if you can get a couple out the front. Speaking um, of that, I, I just have some stats on the Ruck. <laughs> so you're right. So... <laughs> So the um, so the hitters at forty nine to sixteen, we've brutalised the young kid who was rucking for the pies. Um, Nankervis with twenty three disposals, thirty three hitouts, five tackles, three clearances, nine contested possessions, four score involvements, and he's currently in total hitouts. He's actually fourth in the league for total hitouts at two hundred and ten. He's actually flying this year. He's having a good year. I think the most impressive stat for Nank is, because we know we're going to get all that from him, he's, he's generally now top three tacklers on the ground. Um, so, And he hurts when he tackles. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. You feel it through the TV. Um, but to have your, your big man um, you know, follow up and do that sort of work, it, it, it makes you around you go, hang on, the big guy can do it. You know why can't I do it? I need to. I need to be hunting as well. Um, so it, it, not so much as yes, he's the captain, but it's the ruckman who who does that. And, and I think that's an underrated stat that not many people would sort of realise that he puts you know a lot of pressure on and, and tackles after he yeah you know, has, has those hitouts. He's huge. Uh, and EJ, I have to leave this man to you, Gibkus. You've claimed him the the president of the Gibkus Association, or whatever you made up last week. Um, he he had a, another very good game. He, like I said, I said it a few times. I I was a little bit unsure how he would settle in being, you know, first year player at the start of the year, but he has not missed a beat. He's unbelievable. 
what's that for, CB? Brody's our boy, and now you've t- you you have traded in Brody for Gibkiss, you dog. I can't believe no, you're cheating. No, no, I can't no. believe you're cheating on Brody. I'm polygamous. <laughs> yeah, look, he he just doesn't look like a first year player. Um, he is so self assured, and when he does get beaten, he is filthy. So you, he's got the competitive streak in him. Um, yeah, look, I I have to control myself when I talk about him because I get a little bit <laughs> excited. Um, you know, I I cannot believe. I cannot believe he still hasn't been nominated for the Rising Star. It's a disgrace. It's an outrage. He will be before the year's out. There's no it's doubt. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> nah, Brad Johnson's a wanker. Just say it, Mark. He's a, Brad Johnson is trash. Is it Brad Johnson? <laughs> is it him, is it? Yeah, yeah and, he, and he admits to not watching Richmond games. He did admit that. I do. Smiling assassin probably says it with a smile too. Um, oh, yeah. I remember when the draft was on and I was watching and they were arming and airing about the, the midfielders around that pick. Uh, and I was like, no, no, you've got to pick this kid, Gibkiss. It's, it's something special about him. Um, so I'm so glad that they did. Um, you just don't find guys that can jump, uh, reach. That's almost Dustin Fletcher back in my era type um, of a frame. And you're right, at 18 years old, when you're, you're that competitive, um, you don't have to teach that stuff. Um, the rest, the rest, the structures. Yeah, that'll that'll come um, when you've got that competitive edge. And there's not a lot of him, but you wouldn't know it watching it. So yeah, I'm, I'm with no. you, AJ. And that that was my concern was how sort of slight he is in terms of build, just compared to the key forwards these days. But I think with with the support act of Bolter, Grimes, uh, Broad when he's down there as well, that it, it kind of doesn't get exposed as much, which is which is good. But ACB, you, you wanted to mention Bolter as well. Well, don't forget, at the start of the season, CB didn't want Gibkiss to play. Let's get that on the record. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. I believe in your stripes. Come on. I'll hap- you know what? I'll happily eat humble pie on uh, Gibkiss and also Morris Rowley Jr. So I'll happily have the viewers smash me on those two. Um, um, unbelievable. Unbelievable inclusions. So uh, could not be happier. And, and as Mark said, but the balance we've got now... Um, through the team, defend, moving bolted behind the ball, it's been, it, it's working. You, you can see it, synergies there on the field. Um, and with Bolter, like he died off a bit in the second half, but he's, I thought he had another outstanding game in defence. Um, again, 18 disposals, a couple of tackles, 440 metres gained, playing as a key defender, nine intercepts and six score involvements. Um, he's a 21, 22-year-old bloke. Uh, you think about our future with an 18-year-old Gibkiss and this fellow moving forward, the sun shines so bright, I'm wearing shades. That's how bright it is. He was good. And, like, you look at, you know, you, you compare the key backs and what Darcy's more output was like. I know Lynch was probably far greater player than what uh, Bolter was playing on. But he just – I liked Bolter forward, but he's so settled and he, he shores us up so much down back that I don't think we can move him away from there. It's – yeah, I think he, he just has to stay there. He's, um... I, think, I think we all had the I like him forward mentality as well and hoping it would sort of pay off. But when you watched him last year uh, when he was down back uh, and then when he, as soon as he went back, there's something rare about a talent like an athlete that can read the play down back. Um, 
it's a, it's a harder beast up forward. Um, there's a lot more things that you've got to sort of learn. But if you can have the ball coming at you and you've got that athleticism and that competitive edge and that strength, that that is just rare. It's very rare. And I, we, we had it with Rance, but I think Bolter's even a little bit – to be fair, it does remind me a little of Rance in terms of you – know, when Rance first started, he would just boom the ball out of 50 and you'd go, how did he get a fist to that and how did he, get, how did he take that mark? And it was always the skill – that you, you're worried about that kick out of defensive 50 early on, and he shored that up, and I, I'm no doubt Bolter will as well. Um, there was a, a, a bit of play. I think my check was on a lead, and Bolter was nowhere near him. He was about 15 metres off him and wheeled around. He didn't get the spoil, and he got the fist mm. there, but my check was good enough to mark it. But the closing speed was just unbelievable, and the awareness of where he was going to run to. So, yeah, he's, you're right. His disposal will 100% improve, and he, he's already lowering his eyes more, um, making more sound decisions and I don't mind him if he has a 60 meter kick though like go exactly. for it there was a game against West Coast where he was pretty much a 110 meter play took it from the back line and went up all the way up forward so uh, the last play we'll touch on before we get some votes Dustin Martin first game back um, I think you couldn't ask much more from him it was really really great to see the guys and the crowd get around him when he kicked that goal he was robbed of the one earlier against Quainer that should have uh, 100% been a goal EJ but uh, Dusty, what did you make of his game? Yeah, look, it was solid. Um, it took him a little while to warm into it. But much like some of the others uh, we talked about, like Short, uh, not Short, uh, Bolton, and he doesn't need 30, 35 possessions. His possessions hurt you. He, that's why when people bring up Dangerfield or Fife or whatever, they're all great players. But Dusty hurts you. Dusty doesn't waste possessions. Um, I think that I like him playing forward more than in the middle. I think we've got enough to cover in the middle now. And I think it, when Mark was talking about the balance before, I think it makes us more dangerous if he's 60 70% down forward because defenders just shit themselves. Um, so I think him coming back also added to the balance of the team. It stretches the ground more. Like he was staying really deep inside our Ford 50 and how couldn't probably push up as high as he wanted to to intercept Mark kicks coming out of our back line. So you got the presence of Dusty down there. You can't not respect that. Um, all it takes is that one quick break and we're out. Dan, then he's going to win more often than he's going to lose, CB. Oh, <laughs> the Prince, the Prince of Punt Road returns, eh? It's just, um, isn't it amazing? I just Mark highlighted earlier. You get a few players back. You get a Prestia back in there. You get a Vlosten back in. You get Grimes back in. Lambert, how underrated is that guy? Like, he's like our best secret ever, Kane Lambert. I love him to bits. Um, such an intelligent footballer. And then you get a guy like Dustin Martin, who's just the cream of the cream on top. And I sort of I hear what you're saying, EJ, but I reckon with Dusty, it's probably more for me to be more of a horses for courses kind of thing. I think he could be a bit like Lee Matthews and finish as always the borderline key forward at the end of his career. But I still think he's got he's still got a lot to offer in the midfield right now with that with that group coming through. Um, but mate, what can you say? He's a, he's he's our he's our finals goat. He's a superstar. Okay, yeah. Anything to add there, Marky? He's a pretty special player. 
yeah, I mean, you, you realise that when he's like he was not there the last half of last year, and then you you, you know the seven weeks that he was away, and you you, you feel it like you, there's not many players that leave a chunk out of a team. Like you can usually just cover it a bit here and there, but it just leaves a chunk out of your team. Clearly, morale as well is a good thing. Um, we saw all the boys get around him. Um, so it, I think players like that make you just walk that little bit taller um, when they're in, this, in on your team. Um, 23 touches. I mean, yeah, you might say he was a little rusty, but, geez, it's pretty Take like, rust. <laughs> like, if, if that's a rusty game, well, yeah, look out. You know, if you could just string a few together. I do worry about the second game back from a long, long layoff. Can obviously you can have the uh, the bit heavier legs, but um, you know, he, he was looking fit. There was there was sort of no worries from my my end there, and yeah, in the next sort of month, I think we've got you know a couple of opponents that you'd, you'd hope you know right wise again we've got Hawthorne, Essendon, and then the Swannies. So I think um, come that Swannies game away and then into the bye, he'll be uh, he'll be cherry ripe and. Like I said, if that's 23, two should have been three in a rusty game. Well, look out in, in, in a month's time. Absolutely. And we've got a reminder too. We got to see the real Dusty versus the Kmart Dusty on the weekend. And we know who played better there. <laughs> yeah. No, I was, yeah. <laughs> was keeping an eye on Twitter for those comments. Didn't see too many. <laughs> Kmart Dusty. <laughs> All right. We'll uh, get your three, two, ones before we move on. EJ, who would you, who'd you go for your three, two, and one? Uh, Jack Graham, three for me. Um, yep. 39 pressure acts. It's huge. Right. The next best on our team was 21. Uh, his metres gained uh, and his two-way running, like his, his repeat sprint efforts on the weekend were just enormous. Um, so, sadly, when you kick that many goals, you only get the two lynch. Um, but, again, that, that, that metres gained backs up the fact that his movement – and getting up halfway and doubling back and that's fantastic. And um, the unheralded in a lot of areas short is mine. I did a deep dive on him this afternoon, and um, yeah, he's having some sort of season. I like it. I like it. CB, who do you go for your votes, mate? Uh, Jack Graham for the obvious reasons. Um, Tom Lynch stiff again to miss out in three votes, <laughs> kicking six. <laughs> but, uh, so I've got Lynchy for the two. And I actually had um, Cochin for my one. Because then Cochin with 29 disposals, um, four clearances, 10 contested possessions, 708 metres gained. <clears throat> Fabulous game by um, our ex-skipper. And I'll just say that for me, um, Noel Bolter and Short... didn't have 708 metres. <laughs> I'm just going off the stats they've given me here on the sheet. Oh, sorry. That was uh, Jaden Short. Oh, <laughs> oh you're unheralded. Unheralded. No, I gave one to Cotchin. Thought he played a fantastic game. Shorty and Noel Bolter, very stiff. Honourable mentions. Yeah, uh, fair enough. Mark, who was your 3 2 1? Uh, you know, it's uh, a good performance when, in, especially the one who's very hard to choose. It means you've had a really good team balance. And I uh, could have gone to Nankervis, could have gone to Bolton. Um, uh, I went with, uh, it could have gone to short, but I, I went with Cochin. I thought Trent was, uh, again, that was probably his best game for a while um, in terms of the overall package. Um, yeah, yeah, the possessions were up, but yeah, the clearance was up, the metres were up, which means he was 
angry contest. Uh, Graham for me too. Um, brilliant game. Um, he's just unfortunate. I thought that was Wayne Carey like what I saw in the first half and 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 the end end uh, sort of disposals of twenty five eleven and or sort of yeah the Gary Abbott senior type numbers. Tom Lynch for me was uh, the best man on the ground and when the game was there to one he was the. Yeah, yeah, it was the difference in the first half. Uh, and I got the votes from Tiggs to make up the fourth. So he gave three Lynch, two Cotton, and one for Dustin Martin. Um, but I think there's quite a few players that could have fitted in any of those uh, votes. Like you said, it's, you know, it's a good performance when you're trying to squeeze in, you know, seven or eight into three, which is good. All right, uh, CB, we'll move on to the, S- oh, it's the Richmond Hawthorne game coming up, 8th versus 12th. It's a, I know we say it often, but it's another must-win game to stay intact or in the eight as part of our block of four games. Like we know, it does identify block of four, and this is 100% one that is in that block that we need to, to get a win. So the Hawks are coming off a loss against Essendon. Uh, they looked pretty in control of that game, and they just bottled it pretty much in the last quarter. We'll start off with the ins and outs. I mean, Mansell's obviously copped his week for the uh, touching up of Ginevan in the, in the, after the siren. I think logic says Vlosten straight back in. Uh, but then if Prestia comes back in, this is where I was having a little bit of a, an issue trying to work out who comes out and how it all works. So, so I think everyone agrees this is going to be Vlosten and Prestia. They're the two coming in, right? I think that's a lay down Mazette. <clears throat> Obviously, Mansell out because he did us a public service by letting another young man know that AFL football is a pretty tough game at times. Um, I've actually, Stacky is our sub. So I've got Stack out, but I don't know who will go as the sub out of the 22. I'm thinking, oh, I was thinking Mark Pick, but he's having like a C career best year. But he's our most, that sub to me has got to be versatile. It's got to be someone who can play forward, back, be that utility type. And Pickett's probably our best utility. So um, I don't know. I, I mean, everyone's probably going to be screaming for George Castagna to be out. and I, I don't know. But I'll leave that to better minds than me to work out who that other out is um, at, at Clubland. I've got Mansell out, but I, I couldn't, and Stack out, but I couldn't tell you who's going to be the sub. Who the sub's going to be. Yeah. Uh, AJ, ins and outs, and uh, how do we go about winning this game? No, that's, that's ins and outs are pretty pretty easy. Well, the, the ins are pretty easy. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know who should come out. Um, I'm not going to sack Castagna. Um I'll, I'll leave that to other people. He, I know he polarises people, but I think balance-wise, I think we're better if he's there. Uh, how are we going to win the game? I think we're going to win the game on turnover. Um, we've got that part of our game back in the last couple of weeks where historically not always super strong in the middle. Uh, I think our defence now, with Boulder going back and all that, our structures are good. I think we'll create turnovers and then bring ball back to our forward 50. That's where I think we'll, we'll have a strong advantage over Hawthorne, and I actually don't see this as a danger game. It's brave words that can often bite us on the arse, but I like it. Uh, Mark, what about your thoughts on the ins and outs and how we go about winning the game? I think the sub one is the conundrum. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with uh, Prestia and Vlosten in. Uh, obviously, Mansell's out. I, I would give George a rest. Um, I just think Morris Jr. has shown what we've been lacking in that forward 50 in terms of pressure. 
and I think for a while now, in my opinion, uh, Georgie hasn't, and, and and that's what the game needs to be based off of: is those tackles, is those pressure acts, the goals. Yeah, they can come. That's fine, but I, I just think that's just missing a little bit. Um, and I'll throw up a little curly here for the sub. I really love this kid, and I hope they give him a go at some point soon. And that's Sonzi in the yep. twos. Um, so he's very, very clever. I love, I love kids that are footy smart and they're, and they're still getting drafted. And he had a bit of, um, you know, bad luck with injury, I think, uh, in his junior year and seems to have got that right and some consistency. And um, you put him up forward or as a sub, you know, when he can come on, that can cover. I think all I can cover George out at the moment with Dusty back there. So that would be my... Uh, my ins and outs, and, and how we're going to win the game. I completely agree on the turnover. Um, what Hawthorne are really good at is moving the ball from, you know, to in defense to offense, and they can do it really quickly. But if we have our turnover game on, they're still young, and they do get forward of the footy. We can at least hurt them on the way back, um, where our strength is really, uh, and we've built it up over the last couple of weeks. Their backs play very similar, I think, to, to Moore, like Sicily. So if we do have that sort of forward movement, he will give a leg rope. And um, I think he'll get uh, Lynch um, first, and we can hurt that. Uh, and if it's not him, you know, with that Dustin Martin as a third third player back there, Frost is the other one, but then who plays on Dusty? So good luck. Um, that's where we, I think we'll win it is... is their midfield is good at its core, but they don't go as deep as ours. So, um, you know, our, our clearance, when we can sort of halve or win that clearance contested side, side of things, um, we hurt. We do hurt teams. So, yeah, I think it will obviously start there, but it, it's, it's mainly off that turnover and transition. And Hawthorne are a young team that are good, and, you know, good, good teams that are young that can be up for a couple of weeks. And when it gets into May, I always say it, like they're – the ball hits them a bit harder and then, you know, their fingers get a little bit sore and it's a bit colder and the preseason catches up with them and they might just be at that point. So uh, hopefully we can uh, play some big boy footy again. So I, the three points I had was um, last weekend, the Hawks really struggled to contain the big forwards and we've got, we've got a couple of big forwards. Like that, that, that ball coming in that center ball, I could not cover two metre Peter on the move. And I reckon there's some scary similarities between what we'll do there uh, I saw a comment before. I reckon the rucks are going to cause Hawthorne's big problems. I think our ruck division is going to smack. It'll be another ma- smashing and mauling in the ruck. But that young bloke who battled valiantly for Hawthorne last weekend, he's in for a nightmare. If he had a hard time against uh, Essendon, he's in for a very, very, very hard afternoon against Soldo and Nankervis. And I think it's going to be the same as the Pies game. I think it's going to be a case of boys versus men. I think bigger, but- more physical, mature bodies... Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll nail them easy. They do have... So what about in terms of matchups? Therefore, you've got Gunston and Kaczynski. I'm not sure if... Um, oh, who's the other tall guy? Mitch, I'm not sure if Mitch Lewis is back in or not. I think he'll come but, uh, yeah. yeah, he can clunk him as well. I know we've got you know, the height to match him up with, but where we've fallen down early on in the season, which we feel like we're on top of now, is if we don't have midfield pressure on Newcomb, on Mitchell... Uh, if they give him an easy inside ball, EJ, for delivery to the forwards, is that going to spell some trouble for us again? Or do you think have we got our shit together now in the centre that we're a bit more adapted, a bit more connected? 
Yeah, look, I think um, CB said before how underrated Lambert is. With Lambert back and with Graham after a slow start playing catch-up with limited pre-season, we've now got the motor in the middle that um, we were getting caught not being able to go back the other way and teams were getting free passage straight through the guts. I think we've we've sorted that out. I think now personnel-wise we're about as good as we can get. So I think we'll be able to restrict their supply uh, enough that I don't think it'll be too much of a problem. The interesting one for me is, is Tarrant. I, I just don't see a spot for him yeah. at the moment. Um, and, and you know, it's pretty. It's a good thing that Gibkiss is doing what he's doing and uh, I hope they don't play the whole let's manage him and rest him type scenario, you know, just yet. Um, but, yeah, Tarrant, Tarrant's an interesting one for me. We just look so much more nimble down back, don't we? When the ball hits the deck, it's not only have we got the size, but they're all pretty fleet-footed as well. Yeah, I guess he was a victim of us playing it, like we are just talking about there, EJ, with the, the turnover game in the middle. We weren't going back the other way, so the ball was coming in a lot freer. He was under the pump. Yeah, and he was, he was left with that one out, one out, you know, five metres behind. So it does make him look slow when the midfielders aren't putting on pressure, but I just think now is just not time to mess with it down back. The, the one guy we've got to stop, um, funny, it's not O'Meara and Mitchell at this stage, that John Newcomb looks an absolute beauty for Hawthorne. Like, he's playing some seriously good footy. He's averaging 22 disposals a game, four tackles, four inside 50s, and two centre clearances. Like, he's actually the one we've got to put a bit of work in because he's hard at it, he's quick, and he just looks a footballer. He's the he's one. He's got the shit in him, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see he and Graham go head to head. I reckon that'd be a really tough battle, those two. Yeah. And the other one as well, CB, Dylan Moore. He, he's very lively for them. Uh, quite often over the last few weeks, he's been kicking their first two or three goals of the game just yep. through sheer work rate and uh, getting in the right spots. Well, again, yeah, he's averaging two goals a game and 20 disposals. So you've got to respect that. You know, he's a young fella and he's. Um, Bit like that, bit like the young fellow for uh, Collingwood. He, he's earning his keep at the moment, and if we don't respect him, it could bite us. So, um, EJ, who, do you, who are you going to sit on him, mate, to uh, take him out? Are you going to go with Grimesy or you going to lock him down? Um, I was looking at that. I, I think we're going to play quite a flexible backline uh, this week. I think I think the matchups will change quite a bit. Uh, the thing with Moore is if you keep him quiet, if you can keep him quiet in the first half, we'll be right because he he scores all his all his goals in the first half of games. What's what? How big is he? I don't think he's. I think he's not that big. Not small, no. but yeah, he'd be a medium size. Oh well, he's pretty quick. Baker Baker could have a, have a dip. Rioli could even Rioli 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 shut down some pretty big names the last couple of weeks. So I'd, I'd I think. Be- yeah, I think with guys like that, if you can get someone who can get early touches on them and get them outside that forward 50, um, it, it drags them away from their comfort zone, which is literally 25, 30 out. So I'd have Rioli on him to start. If he gets on top, you've got Baker there to, 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 to switch over, but try and hurt him the other way. So you think it may be Baker on Bruce? Because he's, yeah. he's a very dangerous forward. Yeah, I reckon Baker would annoy the shit out of Bruce. Bruce doesn't want that at his age. <laughs> but it's good flexibility to be able to switch them both around if needed. So yeah, I mean, Grimes can play with Bruce as well. Like, yeah, he can play he's, yeah, incredible athlete. 
All right, we'll get a, a quick tip before we wrap it up. We might, if anyone's got any questions, Mark, before we go as well, we'll get a few in quickly. But uh, we'll get a tip. EJ, what's, who's going to win and what's the margin? Tigers by 37. I like it. CB? Jeez, I hate these guys that sit on the fence. Mate, I'm going 46 points. Oh, oh, whole nine more points. Yeah, geez, you haven't got it. What's right based about that? Or, yeah. Drop that. <laughs> Oh, that I'll really put me in my place. <laughs> and Mark? Oh, yeah, I think the Tigers by five or six goals. Um, we keep them under under 60 points. Yeah, I reckon we'll win by about 35. El Tiesta, now you were on the money against the West Coast a couple of weeks ago when you said this, so I'm hoping you're right again. Uh, that would be that would be very good. So hopefully it's not too brutal. Otherwise, I might be out in the garage for a week with uh, the wife being a Hawthorne supporter. But um, a reminder as well. Mother's Day was yesterday. She's had her time. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> a reminder as well. We have uh, Phil Egan on Monday night coming up as well for the Dreamtime game against Essendon. So make sure you'll tune in for that one as well, which should be a, a good show. Uh, oh. Take this question from Connor. Mark, can Sicily keep Lynch under control? More importantly, is Sicily going to annoy Lynch? He's going to do something stupid and throw him off his game. Uh, maybe he might, but um, I don't mind when Tom sort of gets a bit aggro, uh, gets him in the game. Um, I personally hope Sicily plays on Lynch. I think he's the one that can hurt them the most. Like I said before, if you give Sicily his own terms, he's a very good player. But what Darcy Moore we did to him, it's exactly the same. He does give a leg rope. He does allow you some space, and, and Lynch has been good enough at the moment to keep mobile to, you know, it's the ball movement as well. If the ball movement comes in quick, um, blokes like Sicily and Moore, they, they don't become as dangerous. It's when the long and high balls come in um, that plays into their hands. Uh, Paul reckons you should take the beard off and you look 25. Boy, no. I agree. I, I just thought I'd just give the real me for tonight for everyone. So... Uh, <laughs> I'll shave it tomorrow for work. <laughs> I, used to play, I used to play tennis with Boggo. Oh, did you? Okay. Uh, and Nick, very, very much the case. Mark is welcome back on any time he wishes to do so. It's been fantastic having you on, mate. Thank you so much for your insights tonight. Uh, far greater knowledge than uh, us three stooges who were just um, yelling crap from the bleachers. So, not at all. Not at all. So I was impressed with you three. You've uh, you, you said things before I was thinking them. So uh, it's, it's, it's very good. It got a, a lot of knowledge in the, uh, the Tiger faithful, that's for sure. Very good. Well, EJ, thanks for the coming on at such late notice, mate, and uh, enjoy being locked away for another week. Hopefully the family's going all right and it, it, it avoids you. But it's another weekend, another weekend of watching football and drinking beer and not being interrupted. Oh, you can't get in trouble for it. That's a win. <laughs> There's upsides to COVID with lockdown. There's upsides. <laughs> Uh, so thanks again, Mark, and thank you again to you, Nick, for organising this for us. Much appreciated, mate. Uh, like I said, we've got Phil Egan on Monday night, and Mark, you are more than welcome back anytime. Um, we might do another one later on in the year where viewers can ask a few more questions because I know we did have a few games to talk about. But um, thanks for coming on, mate. Really appreciate it. And hopefully we're back on next week after another win and the Tigers cemented in the eight, which would be nice. So until Monday night, go Tigers. If we win again. Well, bag. you got to be you – you can't be too arrogant, CB. Not this They're in the pocket, mate. They're in the pocket. <laughs> Go Tugs. Go Tugs. Go Tugs.